We are live, baby! Welcome to the Resistance Broadcast. It's TRB Live, and thank you so much for joining us. If you are joining us live today on a Thursday evening, that's right. It is June. It is June 1st, which means Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny arrives this month. Uh, so, uh, Star Wars cousin, right? Indiana Jones. Uh, but then also that means two months, calendar months away from Ahsoka. Things are starting to heat up, at least by me too. The weather's getting better. It's nice. Uh, but thank you so much for joining us, whether you're listening on your podcast apps or you're joining us live or you're watching on video. Thanks for being a part of TRB. Welcome to the base. I'm John. With me as always, James and Lacey. And we're here to oh. talk to you about all the latest Star Wars news. Uh, so guys, we obviously love Obi-Wan Kenobi. We, I think all of us enjoyed the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. What'd you guys think about what Deborah Chow had to say about, and this isn't nothing new, but she had said like, that was sort of a, a, f a finalized, complete story we told. But then in her latest one, she pulled the Ron Howard and goes, never say never. Well, Lacey, what'd you think about that? I mean, I brought her up last week when we were talking, what were we talking about? Who brought this up recently? I feel like this keeps coming up. Was Kathleen Kennedy was talking about, hey, we Kathleen might be back yeah. Obi-Wan Kenobi eventually. We don't know that. Right. Maybe as a movie. Up, yeah. Right. And I had brought up that, well, you know, Deborah was very adamant that <laughs> this was a one-time thing. This was a series limited thing. Um, and that I, I genuinely believed her when she said that. Um. I feel like the never say never, like you never know, has been like written into PR agreements with people now. <laughs> like that Disney and Luke Silmer, like, please don't ever say like specific strict that, wording. That of will or will not happen. Right? Correct. Yeah. I think that they're kind of like, you can say your opinion, but leave it open for interpretation. Lacey, um, what if Deborah Chow said, if I need another house? <laughs> then I'd be like, did you talk to Oscar Isaac? Because <laughs> yeah. he said the same thing. Um, look, I would love more Obi-Wan Kenobi. I would love more of that story if they if it's there to tell. I know Ewan really wants to do it. I know Hayden wants to do it. I don't know what that story would be, but there's a reason why they have writers and, and awesome directors and production people to figure that out. I am not surprised by her comments. I think she's been pretty straightforward from day one that like, hey, I was a part of this because it was a limited series. And like throughout the whole press tour, she was saying that. So her stuff doesn't surprise me. Yep. Yeah. I quickly, I agree too. I, the only thing that, um, the only thing that's strange to me is that I think when Deborah Chow was involved with that project, the whole time she was doing it, it was like, this is one and done. And I'm not entirely positive that it was as received by fans as they would hoped it would have been. So then there is always the possibility that after everything was said and done, there's been conversations about whether they do or don't want to, you know, change things up. And would we, if we did want to continue it, would we bring back Deborah, you know? And so she's not really part of those conversations potentially. I don't know. I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. so it, it's it, even if she was like, like ron howard saying like hey i want solo to happen but i don't know of it i've never heard of it yeah yeah and so i'm i'm just kind of thinking like i'm not entirely positive if they did do more things with obi-wan kenobi in that era if deborah chow would even be the person to ask because she might not even get asked back it's possible you know i like yeah. the series but i'm basing it on 
we were all sort of like, she did a couple episodes of Mandalorian and, you know, this and this, and then she's getting this and everything's falling on her, you know, and then it was sort of like mixed received well, you know, so I don't know. I'm just saying. Yeah, I think any of the blame from me just retrospectively looking at Kenobi, because I felt like that series got better as each episode went on, especially, you know, that final episode, that epic uh, battle between Vader and Obi-Wan, mm-hmm. um, the music got better. It dips for, in the for, middle. I think for, that's the biggest thing. Yeah. And and Natalie Holt went, you know, explained to us that, you know, there were certain things she wasn't allowed to do and she was uh, overridden by Kathleen Kennedy in some instances with the music. I don't think it's all on Deborah Chow for people who didn't like Kenobi. I think it filmed during the pandemic, which is very difficult, even in that atmosphere. There was mm-hmm, a lot of, mm-hmm. you know, you have, a, you have a young child actor, probably only certain call times that they're allowed to work. Uh, and then also, and I'm not trying to make excuses, but the budget clearly wasn't there. There was some of it was like, ooh, this looks a little, a little not up to Star Wars' standard. And I don't think that's falls upon Deborah Chow. I'm sure she did the best she could with what she had. Um, but I still really enjoyed the series. And uh, I, that's one that I'll probably rewatch. So if she does come back, I'd be happy. But I wouldn't blame her if she's like, you know, I, I, I didn't get to say everything I wanted to say. Or, or you know, who knows? I'm speculating. But... Either way, we'll see what happens. Uh, I personally don't know that we need more Obi-Wan, but I'll be happy to take it, of course. Um, But we have a lot of cool stories to get into. Uh, Before we do, just want to remind people, uh, we do have Super Chats available if you are interested in having your comment, because we do get a lot of comments. And if we read every one of them on the show, then we would probably just have to just leave and just have all be the podcast. It would just be a chat. Yeah, we would just leave. Or put AI versions of us up on the screen. <laughs> they can do that now. That's very popular now, yeah. But all jokes aside, we do have super chats if you want your comments read on the show for uh, live and, of course, the audio platforms and for us to discuss them. Uh, but just hang out, have a good time, and I uh, hope you enjoy the show. And we do have some stories to tackle, and James is going to steer us through this asteroid field of news. It's the resistance. We still have time to go in this episode. We haven't quite met the deadline, but we're talking about deadline right now because they got a chance to uh, sit down with Rick Famuyiwa as part of their podcast. Um, they have their their own podcast. So if you're interested in that, you can go check out as they speak with uh, some of the industry's best. Uh, this week was Rick Famuyiwa, and he was sitting down to talk about the evolution of Mandalorian season three, where they saw a lot of their characters. Uh, going and what the point of that story was was all very interesting and a little bit of um, why he chose which episode that he directed you know for a um, for nominations with the Emmys and everything is a really cool listen if anybody wants to go check it out but we already did check it out and we're going to talk a little bit about it I'm going to start off with you John and your thoughts on Rick Falmayua's comments about Mandalorian season three yeah, I like Rick a lot, and he's one of those filmmakers that um, I think he's not—he's um, not like a big personality, um, like a Taika Waititi or something like that. But anytime he does get the opportunity to speak about this stuff, I feel like he does speak with a lot of confidence and conviction. He's not just doing. He, he, I feel like he, I, you know, there's some people I feel like sometimes talk because they want to say the right thing or they want to say what people they think people want to hear and i think he just has conviction in in what they're doing and if you look at his journey you talk about mando's journey you put rick right alongside him because 
he comes in and he was already, you know, established director, but he comes in and he's directing an episode of the Mandalorian. And now we fast forward to season three and he's executive producer alongside Dave Filoni and John Favreau. We go to celebration and the three of them are now like a trio and they walk out on stage together. And I really liked what he had to say about season three. Cause I know people had mixed feelings about season three. There were a couple episodes. I'm like, they probably could have done something else with these. Um, and I still think there was something that was supposed to be going on with Boba Fett and then Tamir Morrison said as much. So I don't know if there was a little cut and paste thing going on. I'm looking at uh, Lizzo and Jack Black particularly, but uh, I will say this. I, I like what he had to say about how the story is going to get more complex um, and it needed to. And it's, it's for the growth of Din Djarin. You know, people say like, Oh, there's all these characters now and it's just Dave Filoni, continuing the clone wars and it's like well you can yeah i could see that of course you got bo katan in the mix but you need more for to to support din Djarin's growth as a character and i think that's what this all really is because ultimately it still is the show about him and his relationship with grogu but if you go back and watch the early episodes of season one it's a different guy now and it's a lot of that's because of what he's gone through in each season including season three so i think season three i think time will be good to it and i look forward to where season four goes because there's a lot of directions they can take this series in and i think that you know favreau has already written it he knows where the story is going and i like that he wrote it as they were uh he finished writing it as they were developing season three which i love for the sake of continuity he's not just saying like well they like this and they didn't like that so let's go with this uh like 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 diminishing Jar Jar in Attack of the Clones because of the vitriol. Um, so I I like everything he had to say, and I I do. He's one of those people I believe in him, sort of like a Tony Gilroy. And Tony Gilroy is a bit more of a snarky personality. I think Rick has a warmer presence to him, but I believe he has the same amount of conviction and confidence in his abilities. So uh, anytime Rick speaks about what they're doing, I definitely make sure I listen. Yep. Lacey, any thoughts on Rick's comments, I guess? Yeah. James, I'm actually going to bounce this back to you because I know you're a big Rick fan. So you go first. I, I am. Yeah. And I think he, you know, to, to give it away a little bit, he said that they picked episode seven for their Emmy nomination, which was the spies, um, which was the one that they showed us at celebration. And I think all of this makes a lot of sense. <laughs> it was a great episode. It was incredible from um, the humor to the action, to just the revelation of characters' storylines, um, great moments, uh, you know, Grogu stopping the fight, you know, and all this. It's quite an incredible episode, and I think they did the right pick by going with that one out of this uh, season to be the one that represents the, uh, you know, what the accomplishments that they have made uh, for filmmaking and uh, creation of that art. Uh, you know, to be on display. So I think that that's a good thing. Um, as far as his comments about the Mandalorian moving forward is, um, I think what you, uh, maybe a different way of saying it, John, what you were saying there is that he just, he has a confidence as if like, he knows two plus two equals four. And if somebody's asking him, what's that question? He, he doesn't have to think about it. He doesn't have to come up with an answer. He's just like, well, it's four. And let me explain it. Why this is exactly, we already talked about this a long time ago we've right. been talking about this 
for a long time while we were in in the process. And now that we're here and, and people are asking us questions about it because it's all new to them, it's not new to us. We've already thought all this stuff through. And, and um, he doesn't really like play around like maybe some other people would um, as far as like maybe where they're going or teasing other ideas and stuff. He just answers the questions like they're facts, you know. Um, Rick is awesome. And I think they made a good choice. And, um, you know, I don't know what it's up against. Um, I don't watch a lot of TV, but I would hope that they would, you know, do something with this episode because having watched it at Celebration and maybe I'm a little spoiled because of that. Saw it on the screen with a bunch of people, but it was amazing and it was very good television. Yes. Yeah. So Lacey. Yeah, Yeah, I, you know, Rick is just so he's like on Dave Filoni level for me of like someone that as soon as they open their mouth and start talking, you're like, I will listen to whatever you have to say. You know what I mean? He comes from just such a creative space and such a knowledge of human behavior and um, just storytelling that you immediately want to listen to whatever he has to say and and whatever he's contributing to a project. Um, That being said, I really loved his quote about, you know, we were just discussing about how you know, it's it started as a Western about the individual, but then it grows into more of like how we should operate as a society. And I think that, yes, that is totally true about Mando being a Western. We all knew this when we talked about, you know, spaghetti Western, like season one, and we heard that term so much. But I can't I, hear that without thinking of the uh, the <laughs> joke where the guy, where he goes, Jonah Hill says, stop, you had me at spaghetti. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> no, but that's really funny. Yeah, um, it was in uh, one of those um, burns or whatever. Oh, okay. Roasts, yeah. Right, right, right. Um, <laughs> one of those burns. Yeah, I couldn't think of what they were called. I was scrambling for that, but it, Jonah Hill, you had me at spaghetti. <laughs> but I, I think in general, what he's saying too also reflects Star Wars because as we know with every Star Wars story and every Star Wars adventure, it's never about one person's journey necessarily because they can never get from the beginning to the end of that that trip without having multiple people to help them get there. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. Luke's not going to succeed in his, in, his mis- in his mission and destiny without all the different players from Kenobi to Leia to Han to C-3PO to Chewie to whatever. So I feel like I love how he brought it up in the sense of Westerns because it totally makes sense in relation to the Mandalorian. But I think it also makes sense in how we are as people. Like we can't operate alone. We're not meant to be alone as humans. So when you see that replicated in in media and in stories, you want to feel that community and connection as well. And I think that him kind of standing up for that explains kind of what John was saying is, the biggest critique we've been hearing over and over and over again for the past few seasons is like, oh my God, there's so many cameos. Oh my God, there's so many people, blah, blah, blah. But he's expressing it in such an intelligent and wonderful way of, hey, the story starts with him, but it grows beyond that. And we hear that from Yoda, you know, we are what we grow beyond mm-hmm. type thing mm-hmm. in uh, The Last Jedi. So I think that it's lovely to hear that they have such an idea as in Rick and the create the creators like Dave Filoni and John Favreau with this story of they're very solid and true in their conviction of what they want to tell and how they want to tell it. And we have to remember as fans uh, that we're along for the ride. 
and it's okay to not like things and it's okay to like things and, and geek out and do whatever and have criticisms. But at the end of the day, it's their story and just have confidence in the way that they have confidence themselves, like have the ability to believe that they know what they're doing because they do. <laughs> um, and, so it's always wonderful to hear from Rick. And, and mm -hmm. you know, like he was very um, cryptic about the future. And we know season four is happening because, you know, Favreau already wrote it and he, he said that as much. But, you know, if the strike wasn't happening, he probably could have said, like, yeah, we're looking to start filming in October and, you know, be out, but, you know, whatever. And, you know, um, but, Rick defends the writer's strike. He's definitely someone on the side of writers. Yeah, sure. yeah. right, right. And Favreau, like, had finished writing this long before the strike. So it wasn't like yeah. he was writing during the strike. But mm -hmm. uh, I, I hope we get it for you know 2025 so cool like if it the strike ends and it works out where we get the new mando and a new star wars movie like 2025 on paper could like shape up to be like a massive year for star wars so hopefully they're able to iron that stuff out and get people back to work uh at the way they should be compensated so that we can get that year you know but mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um yeah mm-hmm all right, well, our, moving on to our next story here, we're going to talk a little bit about Mark Hamill, who has been in the news recently as far as Esquire is concerned because he did a piece uh, on his life, basically a lot of different factors and stuff. Now, he's in a new movie right now. If anybody wants to go see it and check that out, it's a comedy movie uh, in theaters, I think like today, right? Or last week or something? Came out last weekend, yeah. Last weekend, okay, yeah. The Machine, um, right? Yes, and uh, but what we wanted to talk about that relates to Star Wars was his time in the Mandalorian and Book of Boba Fett being something that he got to be a part of. But it was sort of like a digital replacement and all that. And he was asked, you know, is there going to be more? Is this all leading up to anything? And he's like, I really don't think so. I don't think that's the case. Besides, I don't really even know if they and I'm paraphrasing all this, but I don't really even know if they want to tell those stories, but if they do, I just say it makes more sense to hire, to recast, find a young actor uh, and, and let him be Luke Skywalker, which sort of lends permission from Mark Hamill uh, to fans that if they ever wanted to go this route, he says they should probably make a, a more intelligent choice as far as uh, how much it would cost and how how much how time consuming and involved it is to do all this stuff just hire somebody else to play luke skywalker he's cool with it he thinks that makes more sense um so i was going to kick it around to you guys what you think about this particular thing Lacey? i can start with you because i know you love luke skywalker what do you think about recasting mark hamill i don't know? just love luke i love mark hamill <laughs> um you know what here's the thing about the recasting comments is I think Mark knows that his journey with the character in the sense of who he played in the, the Mandalorian was kind of a, a make good, so to speak. I think, you know, he says the quote is, um, where's the quote? The quote is, of course, things change when John Favreau, Dave Filoni and the artist formerly known as Baby Yoda show up at your house telling you about the Mandalorian. <laughs> and he took the meeting. And I think him saying that he's okay with recasting is kind of like passing that torch saying like, look, I don't want the character to end because it's not me. 
And I think that mm -hmm. takes a lot of strength for someone to say, because before that, he talks about The Last Jedi, which I thought was kind of a bigger quote for me. I know we've heard this from him before, but saying like, when he read The Last Jedi script, he said, okay, well, that's it for me. And then he said, and then you start that process of disengaging from something that's been a part of your life. And I feel like this interview and every interview that I kind of heard, read, watched from Mark over the years, he's in a weird place right now with Star Wars in the sense of he... This is something that's been a part of his life for so long. And I can't help but kind of sympathize with that in the sense of like, if tomorrow I decided to walk away from Star Wars forever and not be engaged with it at all, there's a sadness there. There's a bittersweet of like, look at all the things I've accomplished and done with Star Wars and look at me giving that up. But knowing like, hey, maybe there's other things, right? There's, there's a sadness there. And I think that Mark is openly expressing that. So I applaud him for being honest. I think this interview in general is, is interesting just because he kicks it off talking about the movie and the, the author says that, you know, he must be trained to like immediately get to what he needs to promote because he's always asked about Luke and he knows it's coming and he knows that Star Wars is on the plate or on the table to be asked about, but he wants to get to what he's promoting. But I, I'm okay with it being recast if Mark's okay, because he did talk about the process and said that it was weird because he would do the take. And then the actor would come in and do the take. And he said, it's weird because they basically mimic me and basically do exactly what I did. Um, so as a fan and as someone that just like really loves Mark, and I'm speaking about him like I know him. I've met him a couple times, but like we don't know <laughs> each other, but like he just means a lot to me. So knowing that he's okay with it makes me okay with it as a fan and knowing that uh, he got that last chance to play Luke in his like Jedi prime kind of came full circle with me because we all know that I have issues with The Last Jedi and the way Luke was handled. That's just my journey. <laughs> no one else can. That's Mark express. Hamill's journey too. Right. But I'm saying as a fan, I know people have criticisms about like, oh, if you didn't like this, you didn't get it. It's just how I handled it. You know, he's my childhood hero. He's been my hero since like second grade. So um, it's just a different, I think Sam Witwer, which we haven't talked about, but Sam Witwer said it perfectly recently when he did an interview about like how Luke changes off screen and maybe that's why people have issues with it or something like right. that. But anyway, that's a conversation. He tried to say him. it in the most politically acceptable way so possible. <laughs> Sam Witwer knows his stuff. Like he's so good at like expressing like exactly how I was feeling. And I was like, yes, Sam Witwer, please come on the show. <laughs> you know exactly yeah, what I'm talking about. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally okay with it. And I think that there are more stories to tell with Luke. Um, but we've talked about it on the show before. I don't know if we're going to get them anytime soon necessarily i think they're focused on ahsoka and they're focused on the mandalorian obviously could it be down the line sure and i think already from what we've seen from season two with the mandalorian to season three or not season three with the book of boba fett sorry 2.5 <laughs> of luke skywalker's progression with the digital technology and the deep fake and you know that kind of digital imagery on the face I think it could get even better. And I know people have their critiques of it. I loved it. I loved the first version. I loved the second version. And I would love a third version, whatever it is, whether it's some type of CGI with the actor or just the actor, I'm all for yeah. it. Yeah, I think that that's definitely where the story is going as far as like he says, recast a young actor. But I go, well, what if we just did exactly what we were doing, but we didn't involve you? <laughs> 
Like we got the same mm-hmm. person to, you know, for the facial stand in, like we got your performance, but then we really just did a lot of stuff on this other person who was sort of the stand in because we needed them for the him for the visual effects. Could we move forward with that um, and have that person act out the scenes and stuff and just be digitally replacing that face to make it look like this? Because I think a lot of this story also the actor looked a lot like him. This he recent did. one, and it would yeah. be—I think it would be weird for them to to get into like, well, we're just not going to do anything with his face. Like Graham like Hamilton, probably... sorry, Graham yeah. Hamilton was his name, the guy that mm-hmm. played him. <clears throat> so then, um, I think you also—I think they would probably go down that route because part of this story comes back to a little while ago, and and John, you'll you'll be able to pick up from here. I can't remember if it was Bob Iger or Kathleen Kennedy, but one of the two of them was saying there was, they sort of felt like they did something with Luke and it worked. And then they also did something with Han and it didn't work, which was recasting um, the character. And so they were sort of like, we're not going to be doing that anymore. Um, and I remember that being like a, a hot topic. Cause we were like, we love what Alden did. You know what I mean? Like that wasn't, that wasn't a bad decision to make. And now it kind of is, is, um, a little hard to hear. She that. walked back those statements immediately. I she understand that, but, but she still was, made it. He's saying she still made it. Yeah, them. and it's something that it, maybe she walked them back, but it's still like what they're thinking. You know, like, oh, I'm sorry, I said what I said, but you know, you <laughs> like it's kind of one of those things. So I don't know that they're they really like the idea of recon, recasting these characters. And um, where I was gonna, I mean, you can comment on that, but also I was gonna point out too that we're in that weird period that you have on many occasions pointed out that they normally don't recast if it's, if it's in between two performances. Right. Um, and the first time we're ever going to break that is uh, Genevieve O'Reilly playing uh, Mon Mothma in Ahsoka, as long as that, you know, plays out the way we think it is based on the trailer, but they've never done that before. And if they did recast, this would be the first time they ever played in that uh, world. So wh- what are your thoughts, John, on what Mark Hamill had to say? Well, first, all due respect to Mon Mothma, but it's a different animal than Luke Skywalker. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just no saying one, this never happened. No one's and... like, Caroline Blackiston is my only Mon Mothma. Yeah. And that's my <laughs> you know, point. I can't even put it together yeah, in yeah. my so, head. So, yeah. Like... Mon Mothma is great in that they're fleshing her out in, in Andor incredibly, but uh, it's, it's, we're talking about Luke Skywalker here. Yeah. I, so, there's a lot of nuance to this. There's a lot to get into. Um, I start with uh, the quote from Mark Hamill in The Director and the Jedi when he lays it out there and he's like, uh, this character doesn't belong to me. They rent it out to me. And I just have to do the best I can to tell the story they want to tell. And he yeah i mean i've heard from people off record who has spoken with mark hamill he still does not like what they did with this character and that's fine you know he's he's he doesn't go on about it like people do years after they don't like something he said how he felt back then and he's been quiet about it since and because he's a mature adult and he's professional he still says i will he still did a great job even though it wasn't what he was looking for Mm-hmm. Um, he so gave 110 percent to that role, even when yeah, you didn't like it. And, and if you have a chance and you haven't watched it, director in the Jedi shows you that, like firsthand, yeah. that he didn't like it, but he still gave his all. 
Yeah. And we talk a little bit about that on Monday's episode. <laughs> yeah. Spoiler alert there. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when you're talking about this stuff, I mean, I personally don't want to see any more live action Luke, uh, aside from maybe a cameo. I think we will see him in Ahsoka. That's just a hunch of mine. Um, but beyond that, I don't think we need to see more live action Luke stories sandwiched in between Return of the Jedi and The Force Awakens. We already had Adam Christopher's book, Shadow of the Sith, where Luke's heavily involved there with Lando. Um, I just don't know that I want to see a Luke series with someone else playing him. I firmly believe until they prove me wrong. And the Mon Mothma thing, I think, is an exception to this rule. When you're talking about legacy characters, one, if you try to recast Luke, which I think finally people have stopped saying Sebastian Stan because he's like 45. But yeah, maybe maybe my my note to the world is finally getting out there. Yeah, not Sebastian I Stan. I know it literally but, was written there. And I was like, James, is that you? <laughs> but I think that would be like what actor would want to take that burden? Because, you know, that actor is going to get eaten alive by people who are just waiting to pounce. Plus people who may just not like it. Uh, and then also, like, what story... Like, I agree with Mark Hamill. He said, I don't know that they need to tell more Luke stories. And if Mark Hamill's saying that, that's that's pretty big. So I kind of liked what he said, but I disagree with him about the recast thing. Um, I think Lucasfilm, as a rule, for the most part, when it comes to main characters, they will recast for younger versions. But for older versions, it appears, uh, you know, Grandma Tarkin, Luke, uh, Leia in Episode Nine famously that people forget because it was done so well is they're going to do their best to keep the continuity and the suspension of disbelief because my number one example i always go back to is the sequel to silence of the lambs hannibal they got julianne moore in for um jodie foster and it just didn't hit the way it should have because of the chemistry that jodie foster and anthony hopkins had in silence of the lambs i when i was looking at the screen no matter how many times they said clarice starling i did not see clarice starling and it was just very difficult for me. And as a Star Wars fan, you could times that by five billion. I'm not gonna. You could put someone in a black outfit with the glove and the lightsaber and the hair. I'm gonna look at that person and say that is a cosplayer as Luke Skywalker. It just it will not work for me. That's me personally. I do not believe in recasting people after someone had played them. Mm-hmm. Younger, yes, because that makes sense. I look different now than I did when I was 20. That stuff mm-hmm. makes sense. But to say, like, we're going to pick someone up five years after Return of the Jedi, and it's, you know, Zach Efron, not, it's not going to be him, of course, it'd be a nobody, but John Doe as Luke Skywalker, uh, no thanks. And I, Zach I Efron type. Yeah, I think they'd be just <laughs> sort of making it just to make it, and it doesn't make sense. That doesn't do it for me. Um, so I, I, I sort of agree with him in that they don't need to tell more Luke stories, but I disagree about recasting. But I like... If, if Mark Hamill can say, I don't own Luke Skywalker, then fans need to step away from this whole, I own this, this is my Star Wars, and this is how it should be and stuff. Yeah. If the guy playing the role for 50 freaking years is sitting there saying, they just rented it out to me. You know, I, Luke, I, Luke doesn't belong to me. Um, that is a big thing. I, that's one of the most important things I think he's ever said that I think needs to be a reminder for people. And I really appreci- appreciate him for doing that. So... Uh, I, I'm mixed on this because of those two elements. I'd hope they don't recast Luke Skywalker because I think that actor would be in for a, a big deal of heat. And I don't know that it's the juice is worth the squeeze to to make up some Luke story that's not going to mean all that much because they're not going to do the Luke and 
Ben Solo stuff in live action with a different actor as Ben and a different actor as Luke. And then we go to TFA and we have Mark Hamill back. Uh, that'd be a mess. I, I yeah. re- And that's just my opinion. I, I think that'd be uh, a big mistake. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm sort of torn. I think I, I tend to lean like I'm okay with not getting certain stories of Luke in live action and, and, you know, if they want to tell those stories, let's get them in a game or something, you know, let's, let's do something because we obviously got um, Battlefront 2 and he shows up in that. And there's some excerpts there where Luke was able to be that Jedi, um, but it didn't and it, it looked like Mark and he was able to be tell a story in that time period where he was at that point. Uh, and it didn't have to be a live action recasting or anything along those lines. That being said, I'm always okay with this, I, like it, watching Star Wars and, and enjoying the parts out of it that I like. I wasn't for Obi Wan. That was that was to me that was a make it because you can make it thing. It, it didn't feel necessary to me. I watch it and I didn't love it, but I love it because it's Star Wars, and I'm like I'm enjoying this series and I'm having a good time and I'm I'm cool with this existing. Um, I, you bring up a good point. Like you might just look at that person and say, that's not Mark Hamill to me. Um, but I think still at the end of the day, if they ever did go that route, I would be like, yeah, but come on. Some of this stuff is really cool. Like just, just in your head, like that's Luke Skywalker. And he did this really cool stuff. And he, he would show up in, um, yeah. our discussions, like our castle runs, for instance, like it'd be like, remember in that show when Luke did that really cool thing it is Luke, you know? Um, so I'm, I'm okay with it if they did it, but I think I tend to lean on, I'd probably give them the smarter applause to just either not recast and don't tell the stories and all that, or if just not recast and do the digital thing that they've been doing and use it to the best effect that they can in today's age right now to bring the real Luke Skywalker to the screen visually if that makes any sense. Yeah. And, and just to point out something from the chat, um, I would support, uh, Steve Buscemi being cast as Leia post return of the Jedi. Uh, I will stand by that. And just one thing, you know, if if you're disagreeing, I I know audio people listening are like, I don't care about this, John, but if you're, if you're watching live uh, and you're in the chat and you're disagreeing with people, just be nice. You know, we don't, we don't fight here in the base. If you want to do that, you can go somewhere else. Uh, if you do disagree with someone, just be polite about it and be nice. You're talking to another human being. That's how we like to conduct things around here. So we appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, well, let's get into someone who was not recast. Uh, and that is, uh, of course, a uh, live action Thrawn as um, uh, he was asked in an interview recently um about the process of returning to this character um and uh, of course i'm talking about lars mickelson um i I don't know why i didn't say that (laughs) but um he was asked he was asked about returning to the the character and if he went back to those episodes of rebels to you know reestablish himself and understand all that and he had a very interesting answer which is no that he didn't um he almost purposefully avoided doing that because he felt like the way the character was brought to life was then and this is now and there's a different life to that character in a box when you're recording those vocals 
uh, in the closet kind of a thing versus the type of space you would want to be in when you're bringing that character to life. You're in the makeup, you're on set, you're in that world. And so he says, just the same as a character would be one way at one point in their life and moving forward to this, this next point, I don't need to go back. I have the memories. I don't need to be in that space again. Um, and I'm again, I'm paraphrasing all that, but that was, this was the basic concept of why, because I'll tell you this for me personally, immediately read the headline and I was like, what, why, why, like, why wouldn't you go back and rewatch rebels and put, get yourself in the mindset of that character and what he has done in Canon and all this other stuff. Um, but after reading the article, I thought, um, you know, the way he explains it makes a lot of sense. And I wanted to, uh, start with Lacey on this one and your thoughts on, uh, Lars Mikkelsen getting into the character of Thrawn for his live performance and how that was different, different than Rebels. Yeah, I was definitely surprised by his comments because I feel like other people, like Rosario Dawson even said she went back and watched Ahsoka and other people said that they went back. I think Natasha uh, Debord, I'm going to slaughter her last name, Debordizo, Debor. Natasha Lou Bordizo? Yep. Lou Bordizo. I forgot the Lou part. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, she went back and watched Lugal. Rebels. <laughs> <laughs> she went back and uh, watched Rebels. So it's surprising to me that he wouldn't watch his own performance back. But at the same time, similar to you, James, I thought the same thing. I was like, okay, that does make sense. Because you want to bring something else to the role, um, something new and fresh. And you're not going to do that if you go back and just like go through what you've already done. Um, I can tell you what, though. I'm not the biggest Thrawn f- fan like out there. I am probably more on the side of like, oh, he seems cool. Okay. All right. People seem to really like this guy. Um, But I would definitely, I'm so excited to see him in this role purely on the reaction he got at Celebration. Being in the room when he walked out and how he had like tears in his eyes and he was so excited to be there and everyone was so hyped for him makes me genuinely more excited. So I trust that whatever he thinks he needs to bring to the role to make it something bigger than what he initially thought it was. I'm on board. Hmm. You know, it's funny. Uh, I don't I don't know that it's exactly the same, but there are some interesting comparisons here. And I would I would almost venture to say maybe a bold claim, but I think Thrawn's coming to live action is potentially a bigger deal than even Ahsoka coming to live action. And I know you weren't the I weren't the biggest fan of Ahsoka, and then you became one once she showed up in The Mandalorian, and now yeah. you're a little bit more invested. So hopefully yeah. that happens here with Thrawn. But I can tell you this: Ahsoka was not part of Legends, and I have talked to a lot of people um, that I just know in my personal life and at work and things, where they're like, you know, yeah, Disney Star Wars is whatever, whatever. And then the second I'm like, have you heard about Thrawn? And immediately everybody's like, what? You know, it's like this, this thing now (laughs) it's, I think they're doing something really cool for a larger group of fans, I think, than even Ahsoka with people who were on the journey with Clone Wars and Rebels and things like that. Thrawn, I think, has a larger, wider net for fans that would be interested in seeing that character come to live action, even though I think Ahsoka probably has a uh, more well-received process now. Because I don't know. It, it's it's an interesting 
thought process, but John, what do you think about uh, his process and and the possibility of not the possibility of, but you know what it's going to be like when we see him in live action? It's the summer of Mickelson. We got Mads Mickelson uh, in Indiana Jones uh, returning to Lucasfilm from Rogue One, of course, and now we have Lars Mickelson showing up as Thrawn. But this is very interesting to me because of like we I think we've talked about this before about like what makes them make the choice of yes you can carry on as the character in live action we have to go in another direction with you though and with him uh I think Lacey nailed it um and I think this was not by accident he did seem a bit overwhelmed but he kept it the way he walked on stage with that presence his shoulders back Mm-hmm, slow mm-hmm. deliberate just confident. taking it. it was a core moment for him like a core he was like memory. showing us he was showing us like this is what this guy's looks like right. you know without right. the makeup and i was like oh everything is deliberate everything's calculated everything's done for a reason um so i think that is the, the biggest part of you know where you get to take that next leap if you already played that character um I did find it interesting. I agree with you, James, that he sort of said like, no, we're doing something different here. But that could mean a lot of things because you can literally do anything in animation and there are limitations in live action, even with the amount of special effects we have today. But in terms of storytelling, it's just different. It's just a different type of storytelling. So I'm not that concerned about that. I also think it could be part of that narrative of we want to make sure everyone feels like they can just meet this character for the first time now and go on the adventure because they're putting all their chips in this basket with Thrawn and Filoni said it. He's like, he's the villain. He's the villain. He's our big villain here. You have all these rebels and you have the ghost crew and you have all these people involved, the Mandalorians and skeleton crew. All these people are going to be involved on sort of this like good side, but we're not entirely sure about all the characters uh, on the bad side. Um, to simplify it like George Lucas maybe would. But I think we don't know a lot of them. We're, we're, we're meeting a lot of these characters for the first time. The one we do are familiar with, for the most part, is just Thrawn. So I think they really need to make sure that they do something to grab everybody with your main villain. And I think that's going to be a central focus. So I think that all sort of went into their approach to this whole thing. Um, and then, then I liked well, you know, what he had to say. You know, He's an established actor. Uh, he seems to command a lot of respect, but he said he just sort of really got a kick out of looking in the mirror and seeing Thrawn and, and look back at him. Um, and I think based on the reaction, at least so far, uh, whether it's old school EU people, because I think they're doing the right thing like they did with Ashley Eckstein and involving her with the transition for Ahsoka into live action is they have Timothy Zahn involved and they said they spoke with him and consulted with him and they're doing the right thing to honor at least to honor, you know, those fans. But it seems like the overall reaction to Lars Mikkelsen playing live action Thrawn, not just at celebration with the big ovation and the final confirmation of those rumors, but I think overall, I haven't seen EU people say like, oh, this guy does he doesn't look like Thrawn. He's not gonna be good as Thrawn. Now that might change when the show comes out, but as of now, it seems like everyone's sort of pulling in their same direction of look, yeah. this is our Thrawn. We're getting behind this guy. Let's see what he could do now uh beyond the uh the animated realm. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody wasn't convinced, but I hope like what we're saying here about how I got from step a of like, really seriously guy, you know, to like later being like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. I think there is a huge difference between when you're, when you're hired to come in and play a, a vocal 
performance of a character like i love i love clone wars i love rebels i think rebels is probably one of the best star wars stories ever told but i think there's a big difference between somebody being hired to read the lines in that moment and get into that headspace like like the uh, the voice actress who plays lorna d in like one of the the you know audio dramas or something like that versus that same person being hired to play the live action version of them in a disney plus series it's like all of a sudden you're going to be like, whoa, I'm going to be way more into this character now. Uh, and I need to get into the headspace and, and understand them from a completely different, uh, more serious uh, level. So, yeah, I'm totally with Mars on this and uh, or Lars, Lars, Mars, Mars <laughs> Lickelson. Yeah, I don't know um, on that. And uh, I hope that Thrawn ends up being. Uh, an amazing character for everybody. Um, but I, you know, we've been going with this for a little bit. Do we have any super chats? I was just curious. We do. So our super oh, chat tonight good. is from Andrew Staley. Andrew, what's up? Andrew, we Andrew. were actually just talking about watching that episode from The Mandalorian and we watched it with Andrew <laughs> at Celebration. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. So we miss you, bud. He said, well, Steve Buscemi may not be wearing the Leia gold bikini, but here's another con contribution towards John wearing that in Japan. Maybe. Jeez. Oh, Have a good oh, weekend. Man. Thanks, Andrew. I really Thank hope you, it happens, Andrew. guys. Um, I guess we have to make it a, a goal more attainable than 100,000. Yeah. Maybe Man, we had we'll, to make we'll, it more attainable. John will have to contemplate that. What's a real, <laughs> yeah. what's a well, real goal? Look. It's that. If we hit if we hit a hundred thousand subscribers, I mean that's a good problem to have. I will wear it proudly, and I'll, I'll make sure I do like keto <laughs> leading up to celebration, so I get in like the best shape possible. Um, but Andrew, like I'll turn the spotlight on Andrew because uh, he doesn't like that. But Andrew was at the Indy Five Hundred, and Adam Driver was the uh, the like, he start, was like, the, what do they call it the the he man waved of honor the green the green yeah. flag, and he did yeah, it very. Engines, like he committed because someone oh, he's put a military him next, guy yeah someone put him next to who did he put next? oh chris hemsworth who was like hooray he was no. like full body yes. like i'm gonna yeah. fall off this platform <laughs> no but that's uh thank you so much andrew that's really cool appreciate it man that guy's awesome yeah one of the best one of the best <laughs> um <laughs> all right guys uh let's talk a little bit about our next story here and that is skeleton crew um now we talked who oh, was it this episode now we we're going to be talking a little bit more about the writers guild and all that on monday so stay tuned for that but we're going to talk a little bit about it today because the writers guild of america have now released on their website the uh writers for uh skeleton crew and this mostly consists of uh, two main individuals. Um, sorry, I didn't pull this story up. It's uh, John Watts and his... Ford. What is it? Christopher Ford. Yep, Christopher Ford. That's right. I'm so bad with names. Um, they are going to be writing the chunk of the story from episodes one through four and also seven through eight, while episodes five and six are going to be handled by Myung Joe Wesner. And she doesn't have a lot of credits, but she does ha on IMDb at least, 
But if you can find her Twitter and her, um, you know, her own personal page, she has done a, a number of features in uh, multiple genres, including science fiction, uh, action, drama, horror, and um, and like it just feels a little bit like that's maybe the direction they're going for Skeleton Crew as far as um, like from a, a family perspective, but it's sci-fi and horror and all this other stuff. So she fits in very well there. Um, let, let's talk about, uh, what this all means as far as how the series is going to go. And I'm going to kick it off with Lacey. Uh, we got three writers writing different episodes. What, what do you think? I mean, this isn't surprising. I think with every movie and show, there are plenty of writers that go into it. Um, so the amount of writers doesn't surprise me. John Watts is a big person that's on these, uh, this show, he is the one that came out to announce it. He's the one that's been very adamant and who's directing it, who's starring in it. He he's played a really big role. Um, so seeing his name, I was like, yes, of course. Um, and I know John Watts has worked with Christopher Ford, Ford before on some projects, so that makes sense. Um, Homecoming. I, yeah, yeah, I did look up Christopher Ford and saw that he did Chaos Walking, which didn't do so well. Uh, but it, we have to thank him. Because maybe that's part of how we got Daisy back in Star Wars. Correct. But I'm just saying story-wise. Like, <laughs> yeah, no, I know. I saw that and I immediately went, ooh. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know a lot about my young John Wesner or Joe mm -hmm. Wesner. Uh, but she, like James said, has a ton of background in different genres. So I trust John Watts' ability to find someone to do the right, to do a good job and, and someone that he trusts to tell his story. So I stand by that. But it's nice to see people associated with projects, um, especially writers at this time, getting the credit that is due. Um, hopefully they get paid <laughs> for what they should be paid. Um, yeah, it should be noted, too. I noticed on her Twitter that she also is a supporter of the writer strike. I imagine right. the other guys as well. But while I was like trying to do some research on her, she had posted a couple things about how important that is. So Right. So I, I stand by that. I hope that happens for them. That being said, uh, as a Star Wars fan, anytime we get updates that the production is happening and we're seeing names that are tied to things that are very definitive, that are like, yes, this is happening, is good. Because as we know, a lot of projects can come and go and be very kind of unsure. Um, so it's nice to know that we're probably getting this this year. Fingers mm -hmm. crossed. All right, well, John, <laughs> what do you think about the announcement of the writers? I, I find this very interesting because like the, like with with Spider-Man, Feige took a big risk with John Watts uh, and Christopher Ford to do like the reboot of Spider-Man because there wasn't a lot of uh, track record there and uh, it becomes this big hit. And, you know, Sp Spider-Man, uh, you know, they get Spider-Man right in the MCU and it takes off to this billion billions and billions of dollar grossing trilogy and it's going to continue with whatever and you gotta it's such a cool story because i feel like a lot of times when we're talking about hollywood you know we hear the terms like nepotism it's like oh they got this because they knew this person or and that does happen a ton there you'd be surprised how many people you're like they're that person's kid or you know Nepo uh, baby his, his dad was the lawyer for guns and roses if anyone knows that one <laughs> but it's just th this that happens. But then and I don't know, maybe that's the case with these guys and their connections. But you look at the IMDb or their Wikipedia filmographies and you're like, wow, how did John Watts land that movie? And then you're like Christopher Ford. Like he did 
a horror movie and then like a, a low budget Kevin Bacon movie that critics enjoyed and he gets to co-write a Spider-Man movie. And then now you have uh, my young Joe Wesner. I apologize if I'm not pronouncing that right. I think that's I think right. I went looking for that too. There's one credit on IMDb for her and mm -hmm. it's uh, like a, a, an episode of a Hulu series. And here she is writing, co-writing or uh, writing two, ep two episodes of this Star Wars series. Now, I don't know if that's like, did they pair her up with the Daniels to direct? I I, I want to see who which directors get paired up with who. Mm -hmm. uh, but a part of me makes it makes me a little nervous. Like I was talking about the Charmaine Obeyed Chinoy being, you know, never doing a feature film and she's doing the next Star Wars movie like that does make me a little nervous, you know, mm -hmm. as it should. Uh, I hope she does a great job. I'm rooting for 100 uh, percent. But you, if you don't have many writing credits and they're like, you're doing 25 percent of this Star Wars show for this platform that has taken some hits lately, that's putting a lot of faith and I got to give them credit for doing that. And I'm rooting for her now to like now be the next, you know, Rick Famuyiwa or next Deborah Chow, somebody that we didn't know was a household name. And now all of a sudden they're executive producing series. So I find this all very interesting in a good way. Cause I'm thinking about it optimistically. And I think, uh, you know, I'm trying to think that skeleton crew is going to capture that magic um, of those 80s coming-of-age types of movies. So I, I, I'm very eager to, to learn more about these writers and, of course, eventually see Skeleton Crew later this year because I think Strike Aside, that should be locked in because it's you know post-production and yeah, I believe they confirmed so. that. Jaleel White, I believe, was said is coming out in November or December. So uh, it's all pretty interesting. Yeah, I think, um, I think probably the biggest takeaway for me here is specifically what episodes they're directing because you have um, the duo doing one through four and then returning again through seven through eight and uh, and we think eight episodes in the show so it's get it's totally like the beginning of the end like we're we're you know first act third act um, and we're kind of letting someone come in and maybe take us on a little adventure, switch things up in the center um, so that it doesn't feel all like one complete thing. We can go on a journey. Maybe we can have a couple, you know, Lizzo Jack Black episodes somewhere in like the five and six range, you know, and kind of do something else. But when we come back and what you're solidified with, uh, you know, I saw the first of it and went on the journey. When you get to the end of it, you want to have episodes one and eight really be um, the story uh, from beginning and end. And I think having them do the first four and then coming back for the last two makes the most sense. Um, and, and you know, M Mandalorian, do, I mean, this is in conjunction with other directors and what episodes they're doing and stuff. So not it's not like imperative. Like that, what I'm saying isn't even like the definitive way that things are going to go. Like we're going to watch these episodes and be like, yeah, one through four and seven and eight were great. You know what I mean? It could totally depend on how they switch up the directors. Yeah. One through four would be, you know, this director seven through eight was a different director. So it doesn't matter who wrote it, it has a completely different feel because for that reason, you know, yeah, um, yeah. could be the order that they shot him. You know, they did uh, they did one and four and then seven and eight back to back because all those people were on set at the same time. And then they did they shot five and six last. So everybody's tired, you know, or whatever. <laughs> like, I don't know. You know, there's so many dependent things. Um, but it, it is interesting how they've split it up as far as these people handling this portion of the story and, and then finishing later at the end and yeah. with a little misdirect there in the middle. Um, before we wrap up, I think cause we're done with resistance report, but I do want to ask if we have any more super chats. 
We do. So we have a super chat from Christian. Chris, Christian, Chris, which Chris, Christian. What's up, Christian? (laughs) Just kidding, Christian. Uh, Thanks for the super chat. He said, I just wanted to drop some love and apologize for missing a lot of these live showings recently. It's okay. He said, shake my head. Whoa, yeah. Anyways, I love you guys. See you in a bit. Parenthesis, P.S. Someone is wearing a Leia bikini at Star Wars Celebration Japan. (laughs) LOL. Does that stand for uh, SWCJ stand for Star Wars Celebration John? I love how, um, by the way, this is what's the funniest thing about this bikini thing, is it all started because I said I would wear it, and it's now turned into nobody wants to see me wear it. Everyone wants to see John. Right, maybe. I was sitting here thinking, like, I don't know who I would want to see, like, wear. I don't want to see me wear it. I don't want to see Lazy wear. It. I don't want to see John wear it. I'm doing it for. The, I'm doing it for the sake of the pod, man. I, I just don't want to see John wear it because that also means. Side note: We have hundred thousand subscribers. You I know? want I'm people like, who don't yeah, like me one. and are and are afraid of 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 seeing a six one two hundred and twenty pound dude in a Leia bikini subscribe to our channel just to make that happen. I just I just um, love that. That's what it's. It's like that never happened, and all that's happened is, oh, John's going to wear it? Okay, guys, John's going to wear it. <laughs> well, well, and I got to thank, thank you, Christian. And Christian's alluding to seeing a bit. I assume he's going to join our uh, call. So for patrons who are admirals, generals, and spice runners, we do a sort of a, a, a hangout where we just hop on Zoom and, and chat and talk about Star Wars yeah. food like anything really so we're, we're hopping there after this so if you are a patron of those tiers uh we hope hopefully we'll see us so christian i assume you mean that so we'll see you soon but thanks for the super chat man appreciate that yep. kendall wants everybody right. to do a trb leia bikini meetup there we go <laughs> we do go. have one more super chat oh, no. uh which oh, is from right. matt lawless thank you matt so much he said hey Wait, Lacey, what if we what if we set up a giant magnet wall and we all jump and try to like stick to the wall in our metal bikinis and then take a big photo that might be the dumbest thing you've ever said on this show yeah ever at least no, top I five just, how, like, where is that coming from <laughs> we do a kessel run <laughs> like, what are you talking about <laughs> like, you, like right. you took metal just the fact that it was made of metal and went to like a crazy place Metal's all right matt <laughs> matt lawless thank you so much for the super chat i said hey trb if the indie movie underperforms can it put mangold's movie at risk we've heard very little development news on the mangold movie uh, uh this is what we like to call the james curse because james brings this up every time yeah. someone <laughs> does a movie whether it's contravaro patty jenkins <laughs> it was like the second Ryan thing Johnson. i thought of when he was announced i was like I don't know if that's good for Indy or bad for Indy because there is a curse that if they get announced for Star Wars, whatever that thing is right before Star Wars is, it's all of a sudden doomed. And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, But I'll I'll go. I'll go first on this. I I don't think so. I think uh, given what Mangle's done with other movies and how they've been received by by fans. Um, I, I think that there's enough in there that, you know, they're, they're looking at this movie and, um, and seeing exactly what it is. Cause this is a Lucasfilm production too. This isn't like uh, a side note, like book of Henry, or this was like with, um, Wonder, <clears throat> Wonder Woman two or whatever, like, it, you know, it was a different studio project that was brought in. I think this is them looking at exactly what he's done through the whole process and they get along with him. They see what they's delivered. And then they said, yeah, this makes the most sense. Let's bring this person on. So I don't think, I don't think that, um, 
it will ruin his chances with working in in um, Star Wars. Um, wait, no, um, hold on. <laughs> I don't think that it means anything bad for Indy, but it does sort of a little bit scare me that if fans don't like Indy, then Lucasfilm might be forced to make a move. You know, even, I don't know. It's, I just it's feel tricky. like expectations are so high for all these nostalgics based movies. And so no matter right. what he does, it's there's going to be certain people that it's never going to match what their expectations think, are. Yeah. Like I'm going to like Indy. I, I imagine I, I don't feel like I'm going to walk into that. I'm, I might see the flaws that other people see, but I'm I'm good with that stuff. I normally find the good mm -hmm. in the movie. I'll be fine with Indy and I'll be fine with the movie that he comes up with. But I'm I sometimes get worried if there's like this big like, you know, like when South Park was all on the, the George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, <laughs> what they did. Yeah. Uh, you know, and it's like if the, if people react that way, then they're going to be like, I don't want this guy working on Star Wars. And it's like, yeah. Well, Matt did follow it up in the comments saying, don't mean to be a downer, LOL. I'm pumped for both movies. We're not saying you're a downer, Matt. Are. No yeah. worries. It's yeah. just constantly a little bit of a joke here on the pod where we're like, uh-oh, this person's having another movie come out. Fingers crossed yeah, for them. I, totally. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think indie will do really well because I think the older audiences are still going to show up for Harrison Ford. Uh, I think um, younger audiences uh, will show up who may have liked Logan or other things Mangold has done. I still think Indy's going to do well. I, I'm not. I mean, the the critic responses were shocking to me. I never would have expected, you know, 52 on Rotten Tomatoes, meaning one out of every two critics didn't like it. Yeah, but monetarily, I, it will do well. I'm I'm worried about well, people walking out of it. being I, like, well, that was a waste of 12. Bucks I think the fan score will still be. <clears throat> like above 80 on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it'll be 80% like it uh, because we've seen that a lot where some of these movies are getting like slammed by critics and then the audiences love it and then vice versa. Like, um, you know, I don't say it, but I will say it. Last Jedi, you know, we got a 95 by critics and then it's split audiences down, down the middle. Um, and there's been other movies, you know, I'm, I'll never forget the first reactions to Wonder Woman 84. I was like, oh my God, this sounds like this is going to be the greatest superhero movie ever made. They were really? like, I was brought to tears. What an achievement. Gal Gadot shines. And then I see that movie. I'm like, what a, what a bad movie. <laughs> As a, the, the, the word choices I'm picking on a live broadcast, mm -hmm. but um, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I'm not too hung up on critics. I don't think critics, I, for me personally, you know, I'm 40. I don't think I need to be like, what are the critics saying about, this movie i think i have a good idea whether or not i'm gonna like a movie or not and i think i'm gonna really like seeing uh indie five so so people yeah. did Th thank you matt for the super chat yeah thanks for the super chat matt we appreciate it people were bringing this up in the chat and i know it did come out today which was taika's comments about star wars which is speaking of another person taika he had said that he's working on his movie and he's got a good idea for it but it's just as with all films it's the middle part you're like quote what's going to happen you know and what's then, funny about that? Which takes me right back to my new Hold on, no, let me the quote. That was it. Yeah. The quote oh, yeah, says, the and then you, yeah, and he goes, so what's going to happen? And then you look at all those films that are so great, and you're like, well, I guess I can't meet some smuggler with an alien sidekick. And then they followed up in this article with Kathleen had said back in April, like, oh, Tyke is working away. He's writing a script to himself. He doesn't really want to bring others into that process. And here he is saying, well, I don't really have a script. I, I don't have a middle. I just know where it starts and where it ends. And, and she, she said the ending. 
she said we have a a, a a first and a second act we don't have a third and yes she says he says we've got a first and a third we so don't have they, a second they've both agreed the that they have a first act <laughs> yeah which <laughs> is good but no i i and kathleen's get... finding out that there's not a person with an alien sidekick today <laughs> yeah i and i didn't want to yeah i didn't add that to the news today because we have these other stories but also it just I feel like there's not enough to go by without leaning to the negative just based on pure speculation. Of course, so, but I think it ties yeah. into this though that, you yeah. know, going into the indie question of I like, oh, what happens? I think it's natural to be worried. It's okay. It's it's normal to have that reaction. It's just don't stay there. Like be hopeful. I had put I had put the Taika movie in purgatory with the Ryan Johnson and stuff. Like when I saw uh obeyed chinoy filoni and mangold come on stage i was like this is they reset everything and that's sort of what jeff snyder had said i believe on hot mic with uh our buddy roca was mm -hmm. that they're redoing it taika's done and i i thought for a while taika was done because a lot of his comments reminded me of ryan johnson's and right. now they still sort of do he's so how do you go from get, here i guess we are talking about it how do you go from getting an, a, a pitch approved to make a star wars movie and now he's saying like i have ideas that doesn't that sounds like it's like we're getting like the prequel quotes to when he got booked for the role. You're supposed to have the ideas then get uh, signed on. So it's very confusing. I don't know. I, I hope yeah. it, I hope they work out. Yeah. Well, that's it for the Super Chats. And now mm -hmm. I'm going to hand it over to me for <laughs> resistance transmissions. <laughs> Thanks, Lacey. Really appreciate it. Uh, you're doing an awesome job, I must say. You're just killing it tonight. Um, all right. So this is Resistance Transmissions. Jeez. So this is where John, John puts up a crazy, wacky situation on Twitter. And you guys give your answers. And I don't know what the situation is. I don't know what he wrote. I don't know what your answers were. Uh, and I genuinely haven't been online lately because I've been, you know, working, but it's going to be a fun time. All right. So the situation is pick any Star Wars character and make an acronym about them using their name. Example, Watto, wagers Anakin to tempting offer. Ooh. All right. First up. What about that? Freaking genius. <laughs> maybe it was that. Lacey. She's really killing it. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. First up is oh my god, this is a great name. John Bonhomie. Oh, okay. John Bonhomie. Uh said Shirley Sheev. Shirley hates everyone everywhere viciously. <laughs> All right, we're getting those in there. Okay, next is Mark Joyce at Mark Joyce. Hey Mark. He said Wait, why is John Bon Homie in there again? Oh, yep, my bad. <laughs> you get a special shout out. I double checked bon all these too. We're good. We're good. <laughs> he said Bendu, balanced, eternally neutral, delightfully unhinged. I, I thought like that it. was a clever one. It was like almost like a haiku. If yeah. I ever had a memoir, it would be titled Delightfully Unhinged. <laughs> <laughs> That would be the title of my memoir. <laughs> All right. Wait, wait, which I, one? I which, right between me and John, which one's balanced and which one's eternally neutral? 
Uh, I'm probably eternally John's neutral. not included in this. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> James would be balanced eternally neutral. <laughs> That's a compliment, John. All right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Next up. Uh, J.W. Englehart at J.W. Englehart wrote Lando loved Ooh, a noble hand. droid once. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, R.I.P. <laughs> L3. <laughs> Good one. I'm laughing at the comments that say that we're losing control. <laughs> no, it's just me. It's not all of us. It's just me. Uh, Semperfy Danny at Semperfy Danny said, Han, handsome, armorous, amorous. How do you say that? Armorous? Amorous. Amorous. Nerf yeah. herder. What's amorous mean? Like loving. Love. Oh. <laughs> loving, handsome, nerf herder. Nice like, word, Danny. That's amore. Amorous. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Brian Pothier. Brian, where you been, bud? At B Pothier said, Wampa, why amputate my pitching arm? <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can almost visually see that. He's like, why amputate my... Oh. like what are we gonna do here and then you land it (laughs) that's pretty awesome okay what's next oh Hass, what up Hass? he said Hass. Hass sent in 47 of them of course he did because he's a wordsmith he likes to do word related games Hass underscore gave him something to do all day he's like oh i got another one what up (laughs) Hass? he said vader very athletic despite electronic regalia Ooh, (laughs) well said that was good impressive oh, yeah. i'm still kind of stuck back on delightfully unhinged <laughs> i feel like it's perfect for me um simon mm-hmm. oliver wright at ufo spug ufo spug <laughs> luke look up kill everyone on the death star <laughs> okay <laughs> well done <laughs> well done simon Ken DeLorean at Galactic Curator, who's in the chat right now. What up, Kendall? He said, Jacked Fish. Of course, this was included. Uh, mm. Just another creature killing everything daring float in short range. <laughs> <laughs> that was doing so well. And then it suddenly got to that, like, uh, we're hitting letters. Can I add a TO in here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just another creature fish killing everything daring float in short range. Kendall did say he's not about pandering, so (laughs) he knew his audience. (laughs) Uh, Stephen A. Bowman at Stephen A. Bowman. Hey, Stephen, how's it going? He said, Kylo Ren, kill your loved ones. Regret everything now. I'm sorry, LOL. It just came to mind. Oh, my God. Stephen, I have a lot of questions, Stephen. now. I Number love one, that Kylo how dare you? is a phrase. I love that Kylo is a phrase and Ren is like the follow-up to that phrase. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. That was great. That's pretty Steve. awesome. Now I put right, a call this... out for I put a call out for this one. I said if anyone gets this, they're they're getting on the show. All right. And oh someone God. did it within three minutes. John Reese at John S. Reese. I'm not surprised. John is an architect. He's a smart guy. He came up with this. So I'm not even, someone else say that name. I can't say Mithron Yerodo. Yeah. Thank you. Thron. He said meticulous intellect towards the historical regime's art within none underestimates reality under ominous destruction overall. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> oh, that was 
Wow. Well done, John. Well done. Well Is done, that everybody. it? If, you, if you're watching the video format, we throw them up on screen so you can kind of pause it and process that a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great job, John, to go through all of those. I bet that took a little bit longer than most other people's. Thank you guys so much for taking part in Resistance Transmissions. If you want to be oh. a part of the show. Yes. Well, this is this. He added this too. he said this was tough. <laughs> Hope I got it. You got it, buddy. Yeah. It, it wouldn't fit in the, the thing. So I had to add it. <laughs> yes. Yeah, someone else had submitted one just after him, but he he sniped him. He got it. Um, mm. But yeah, as I was saying, guys, if you want to be a part of the show, make sure to follow us on Twitter at TRB podcast, but also all the social channels, TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, we're all TRB podcasts on there. Um, and let us know what you think once John posts a situation and you can make it mm -hmm. on the show back to you, John. Oh, well, let me tell you folks, thank you so much for listening, folks. watching, being a part of TRB. However you, uh, take in the show. Uh, thank you. We really appreciate it. And, uh, I'm going to check right now as we're live, if we hit 500 ratings on Spotify yet because we are close we were like 10 away um and if we did that'd be amazing and we haven't we're eight away so if you haven't oh. rated us on spotify yet just look us up resistance broadcast and hit rate and hit five stars and we appreciate that but the point is um whether you listen to us or watch us uh thank you and please spread the word please rate us please share on social media when we post episodes anything you could do to keep getting the word out there uh, it's made a difference and it continues to make a difference. And even if you think, oh, my 300 followers, it doesn't matter. It does. It does. Because if two of those people didn't know uh, and they start listening and watching, then we add more to the party and it's uh, it's a good time. So thank you. Mm -hmm. um, as far as uh, Patreon goes, if you want to support the podcast, we're about that. We're actually uh, late, but we're heading over soon to our meetup with our Admir Admiral Generals and Spice Runners. But check out our Patreon, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Tiers start at just $5 per month. Uh, if you're able to support us, that's great. If not, totally cool. But check it out and check out the tiers. And if it's something you think uh, is worth supporting, uh, supporting us here in the pod and also the perks and rewards that we have over there, uh, definitely check it out, patreon.com slash resistance broadcast. Uh, and a special thank you to our Generals, and spice runners carmelo john Reese, who you just saw kill it in resistance transmissions jenna rosewater frank grande darth hurricane nick kratz christian morales brian smith matt chitty danny mike ramori matt heath brendan mclaughlin count pepto sneaky zebra who you're going to see on the patreon pod race on monday aaron ellington micah harrison colin cormier has aslam jolton jedi dimaggio and diana uh, a bunch were in the chat today so good to see you all and our spice runners david probus neil shaw kendall gelner Dave Hornack, Thomas Hennessy, Andrew Staley, Jeremy Myers, Michael Fry, and the Fort Worthian. Welcome to the Fort Worthian, our new Spice Runner. And thank you, everybody, for your support, however you support TRB. We really, really appreciate it. Uh, Twitter for me, at Johnny Hoey. And uh, my movie podcast, just like the movies, we should be putting out our episode on Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade early next week. Mike has a bit of a throat thing going on, so we're going to see if he can... Uh, get through that but hopefully we have that you need me to come step in for mike i can <laughs> i can step you're gonna in. watch some last crusade yeah i'll step in you want me to step in I'll, I'll let you know i'll let you know how mike's doing uh you'll be able to curse on that pod so that's right up your alley <laughs> people don't know <laughs> girls like a truck driver all right john, john did you know that mel gibson was actually up for the role when uh... i don't doubt that yeah. <laughs> oh for the role of mike 
Oh, that's quite a that's quite oh, a casting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, James, how about you, man? Uh, Twitter and Instagram is where you can find me both at Myra Trunks. All right, Lacey. People can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Lacey Gillerin and on TikTok at It's Lacey Gillerin. All right, that does it for us here. Uh, some of our patrons will see you soon. Uh, to hang out and everyone else. We hope you have a wonderful, wonderful weekend and we'll see you Monday morning with another episode. We're doing a Kessel run. We'll tell you what it is yet, but it's going to be fun right here on the resistance broadcast. We'll see you around kids. <laughs>